Hello. How y'all doing? Uh, before I get started, I want to thank the committees and uh, anybody responsible for having me here tonight. Uh, it's a great honor to be here. Uh, hell, it's a great honor to be anywhere sober, you know? Uh, man, y'all some beautiful people, you know that? Wow, man, y'all should see what I see. Man, y'all are something else now. Y'all not the same people used to drink them bars with me, are you? Because y'all didn't look like that. Y'all didn't look that good, man. Y'all's hands all fixed and stuff. Y'all got on decent looking clothes and stuff. Ain't none of y'all bleeding. Must not have been in bar either then. Anyway, uh, I just want to thank y'all for letting me be here because uh, I don't believe there's any way possible to come from where I came from to Texarkana, Texas, 32 years and three months later. I don't believe there's no way you can make that trip. God can and He will, and I just had to get out of the way and let Him. And uh, It's a great honor to be here with y'all. Thank you. Hello, everybody. My name is Alan. I'm an alcoholic. And by the grace of God and the help of a lot of people in meetings like this and people like you, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink or any other mind-changing chemical since the third day of August 1971. For that, I am indeed grateful. And I know a lot of other folks that's grateful, too. i tell you what, uh, there won't be a whole lot of drunk log in my talk. And would y'all mind too much if I took this coat off? Thank you. It's burning me up. Here you go, Jim. All right. That's in case I spit my teeth out too. She can catch them, hand them back to me. But anyway, um, anyway, if y'all uh, y'all come here expecting drunk log, you ain't gonna hear too much of that because I ain't gonna go into that because uh. I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, I don't think you need nobody to tell you how to drink. I think that's why you're here. You know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my drunk log, and I'm, I'm going to qualify myself. Then I'm going to go on into my recovery. Because I'm going to tell you what happened, what it was like, and what it's like today. And uh, it's hard to do that in one hour. So I'm going to get on with it. In 1970, uh, I, I'm a carpenter, and I, and I uh, work construction. And I was working down at Dow Chemical, and I was working a shutdown down at Dow Chemical. And uh, we worked at 712s, and I did it for about four and five months. And we got off that shutdown, I went to the Union Hall, had a pocket full of money, and uh, went down to the Union Hall, paid some dudes, and messed around a little bit to see if there was anything else to get on. And me and a young man was coming down the, coming down the steps, and uh, he said, let's go across the street and have a beer. And I said, well, man, it's going to have to be a quick one because i got a lot to do, man. I've been busy, busy. I've been working a lot of hours, man. And I said, I need a lot of stuff to do. He said, okay. So we walked across the street. That was Monday morning, about 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning to have a beer. That's impossible for an alcoholic. I came to in El Paso, Texas on Friday. I had 20 cents in my pocket. And three pocket rockets. And uh, I had on one shoe and one sock, and they wasn't on the same feet and no shirt. 
And I called down there to Santa Fe, Texas to that woman that I was married to at the time, and I will refer to her as old what's-her-name from this point on. I called old what's-her-name, and I, I told old what's-her-name to send me some money, and old what's-her-name told me what I could do, and I told her what I was going to do when I got there. I hung up that phone, and I put them pocket rockets in my mouth, and I... And for many years in AA, I would tell you that I hitchhiked back to Santa Fe, and that's about 900 miles. And that was a lie. The truth is, I stole a car. I'd steal a car and drive it till the gas went out, and I'd steal another one and drive it a little further. Because you see, alcohol wasn't my only problem. I had an outside issue, and it was called stealing cars. <laughs> and I loved to steal cars. The truth of the matter is, is I still like to steal cars. God won't let me do it no more, you know? Y'all pull up some of them fine rides in my head means I'll be doing stole it twice in my head. Boom, boom. <laughs> think about what you think about when you come out of that meeting, I'll be riding in your car. And I go on to the job shop. Da, 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 da. I can play with that. God said I can do it as long as I don't put no action to it. I can think about it all I want. And buddy, I do it because I like it. And you know, I still him Carla got back there, got back to Santa Fe, I put a knot on her head just like I told her I would on what's the name. I went to the chop shop, chopped the car, got a pocket full of money, I'm back on the road again. I'm back at it, man. Well, in 1970, 70, my brother, my oldest brother, came to uh, a program called Alcoholics Anonymous. And he come over to my house and told me, he said, man, I ain't got a drink no more. I said, good for you. <laughs> he said, you want to go with me? I said, no. <laughs> well, my oldest brother kept browbeating me till I went to a few of them A&A meetings. And I'd go down to Angleton, Texas, and they had this little bitty short guy. And I could talk about him today because he's gone to the big meeting in the sky. His name was Frenchie Arsenault. A little bitty fella, and he'd get right up in my face and say, You got a problem with alcohol? I said, No. <laughs> Wasn't no problem. I said, I'm down here because my brother's in this program. My dad's in the penitentiary for 13th offense DUI, and I'm trying to find out something about this program. And, uh, you know, and I thought I was running a real good con on him. Until I came in the program and I realized they never sent me with the Alanon. They always kept me with them drunks. And whenever they'd get out them chips, they'd bump me and I'd get up and get one of them chips and they'd all clap me. And on the way home, I let my brother let me out at the beer joint. A block from my house and I'd get drunk and I'd walk home, I'd pitch them chips in this field. Somebody asked me one time, said, did you ever go back and look for them chips? No, they didn't work. What I want with them? I don't want them. But on August the 2nd of 1971, I was working on a college in the mainland, Texas City, Texas. I was a saw man, and it rained us out about 10 o'clock in the morning. Now, if you all work construction, I don't know if you do or not, but you know when, rain, when it rains you out, you go home. Well, you know, we even got songs about that. You know, well, we did. You know, oh Lord, if it's in your power, give us one little rain out shower. 
Oh, Lord, if you can see fit, make it rain on all this shit. I want to go to the beer joint. You know? You know, that morning it was raining, man, and I went to the beer joint. Here I go to the beer joint. Boom, 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 boom. Man, I get to that beer joint, I get in there, I stay all day long, man. Get in a couple fist fights. Oh, man, things are going good, you know. And all my clothes toe off. You know, I'm doing good, man. I'm looking good. Got a big old hickey on my eye. I go home, don't watch the night, but I thump her on the head a couple times. Boom, boom, boom. And uh, thump her on her eye. Boom, boom. You know, she got to run that mouth. So I left her. I packed all my guns, got in my truck. I'm going to get drunk. Now I'm already, I can't hardly walk. I'm going to, you know, and I love guns. Well, I did one of them pass out numbers, you know. I don't know if any of y'all ever done that, but I do it. And uh, I passed out, and I woke up. I came to, and it's about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. I don't really know, but I sat up on the side of the bed, and I uh, and uh, I looked over there. There's a little old mirror over there, and I looked in that mirror, and I didn't know that guy looking back at me because that guy just didn't care. He didn't care about anything or anybody. He didn't love nobody. Only person in the world I loved was my mom, and that's it. I hated everybody else. I hated all of y'all. I hated everybody. I hated me most of all. And I didn't care about anything. It didn't matter. Them old guys would pull them guns on me and them beer joints. I'd get right in his face and say, Pull the trigger, man. Pull it. Go on, do it, man. I don't care. You know, and they, they look at you weird, you know, and you just bop them in his eye. Boom. You know, you ain't going to pull the trigger. Boom. Boom. You know, that's how crazy I was crazy. You know, I was crazy, man. And that morning, I looked in that mirror, and I didn't recognize that fellow looking back at me. And I reached over on that bed, and I picked up that big old pistol. And I said, I'm going to fix this. Man, you can't go on like this no more. You're an animal, and, you, and they don't need you. The world don't need you. And I cocked that pistol, and I put it in my mouth. And I've heard alcoholics and anonymous people talk about that. And they said they didn't do it because it would hurt, or it would make a big mess, or... It's, you know, for some reason or other, they didn't do it. Truth was, folks, I didn't care one way or the other. I just didn't care. I didn't care. It didn't matter. But I remember saying, God, if you're out there, and I don't believe it. I don't believe you are. But my mom and him believes you out there. And if, they, if, you, if you really are, please help me because I can't help myself. I completely surrendered. I completely surrendered to alcohol. My life was unmanageable by me. I couldn't go any further. I came to the end of the rope. That was the end of the trail. I passed out. I had a bad habit of doing that. Right at the right moment, boom! I come to. I'm in Santa Fe, 18, 19 miles away, and I'm beating on my oldest brother's door. Boom! 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 About 3 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, early. Now, my oldest brother's a big guy. He's, he's bigger than, than Doug and me. I mean, he's a big fella. And he don't like a whole lot of people. He really don't. And he don't like nobody at 4 o'clock in the morning. You can believe it. He don't even like himself at 4 o'clock in the morning. And he come to the door and he said, this better be good because somebody's supposed to get the ass kicked. And he opened that door and he looked at me and to show you what kind of shape I was in, he said, oh my God, oh my God. And I said, yeah, brother, I've had enough. I can't go no more, man. This is it. 
this is it. I can't do it no more. He said, okay, come on in. We went in there and we drank coffee till daylight. We drank coffee till daylight and, uh, and, uh, he had to go to work and, and when he got ready to go to work, he told me, he said, can you stay sober all day today? And I said, yes. And he said, don't take none of them fun little pills and come back here. Seven o'clock tonight, I'll take you to an alcoholic's anonymous meeting. I said, okay. I went home, went back over to that motel, got them clothes, went back to that house. We're all what your name was. But I'm smarter than my brother. I know he don't get home at no seven o'clock. When he drove up in the driveway at 530, I was standing there. Now, I ain't had nothing to drink, and they had nothing stuff all day, man, and I am nervous. I'm smoking palm oil cigarettes three at a time, brother, and I'm busy. You hear me? I mean, I'm coming up. I'm doing my number, you know? I'm doing it real quick, man. And I said, brother, call them people up, man, and tell them to come put that healing on me or whatever they do, man. Come tell them to come do it. I got to have some relief, brother. Just shoot up in here amongst us. Somebody's got to have some relief, you know? Tell them to come do it. He said, man, you just don't understand. I said, damn that, man. Just tell them to come put the healing on me. You know, I didn't care know what you was going to do, and I didn't care. You know, I just needed some relief, man. And he said, you don't understand. He said, I'm going to go in the house, eat my supper, take my shower, read my paper at 7 o'clock, I'm going to Amy. And if you're here, you can go with me. I said, okay. So he goes in the house. I go out in the street, and I start walking them down in the, in the street. In the neighborhood, them neighbors get nervous now. Some of them folks got new cars and stuff, you know. And they don't read about me in the newspaper stuff, you know. My sister-in-law come out and said, Ah, you got to come out the street or they're going to have you arrested. <laughs> now, you know what kind of guy I am. Most of y'all know. I got to stand in the street and tell them about it. Go on, call the police. You know, she said, Come in the yard, man. Crazy man loose in the neighborhood. I'm all up in the yard, man. She goes in the house. I'm all up in the fly beds and everywhere. I'm smoking them palm all three at a time. You know, light another one. You know, I'm crazy, man. She comes in there and gets me and takes me in the house. And she uh, she pours the coffee, man. I shake it all over the floor. And she wipes it up and pour me another cup. People caring about me when I didn't care about myself. People loving me when I wasn't capable of loving myself. That's what it's about. Seven o'clock finally got there. We got to the A meeting. Now, I don't know about none of y'all, but did y'all dress for your first A meeting? I did. I had no good clothes, so I didn't do that. But I had a good pistols. I had a forty-five in the middle of my back, a nine millimeter on my leg, and a boot knife on this side. Now, I didn't have a clue what you was going to do, but I was ready for you, whatever you was going to do. And I get about a block from that meeting and I'm thinking about that little guy. You know, I see this little guy, you know. And I said, what am I going to do if he tells me, man, we tried to give you this program and, and you didn't want it. So now you want it, you got to go, man. I said, what am I going to do if he run me off? I'm going to die. You know, I did not know that the only requirement for membership was a desire to stop drinking. I didn't know that you couldn't run me off. My Alanon tells me, my Alanon tells me, and that's my Alanon right there. My Alanon tells me 
You know, anybody can get in AA. You got to know somebody to get in AA, man. <laughs> but look who you know. Oh, man. They sick. They sickies. But I get to that AA meeting, man, and I'm, and I'm worried about that little guy. I thought it was something like the Masons or something, you know, or the Union Hall, where they could blackball you and throw you out. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that you couldn't run me off. And I'm looking and I'm bobbing and weaving and looking. You know how you do that, man, like you do on the corner? You know what I'm talking about? Some people in here know what I'm talking about. Anyway, man, uh, I feel this hand come on my shoulder. And I turn around and it's just a little guy. And I grab it. And what does a good alcoholic do that's violent? I grab him by the shirt and say, I want to talk to you, and out the door we go. We get outside, and i got to tell him quick, you know. Look here, man, I'm an alcoholic. i got to have this program. I'm dying from this disease, and if you try to run me off, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. <laughs> he said, I don't want to run you nowhere, man. I do not want to run you nowhere. Caring about you helps me. Helping you helps me. I cannot keep this program if I don't give it away. And I looked at him all weird, you know. And he said, don't worry about it. It's okay. He gave me a card with a quarter in it. He said, call me anytime, day or night. I care. And I believed him. I don't know why I believed him, but I believed him. And I still have that quarter today. And my desk at home. And you know... I couldn't believe that this guy cared, but I could feel it. I could feel it in his voice. I could feel it in his actions. And then he made a big mistake. A big, big, big sin. He hugged me. I said, whoa, homie, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't play that, homie. No, now. Get back, get back, man. Uh, I thought he was reaching for my girl or something. I know what he was doing, but I don't know what that hugging. Shake my hand, man. Don't be hugging on me, home. He said, sorry. I said, yeah, maybe. Come on in to meet, man. So I went on in there, he bought me a cup of coffee, man. And I sat down. And I was in there for 30 minutes. And I had to answer. I had the answer I've been looking for. You told me I never had to drink again. You gave me the answer. Be careful what you're telling you. They hear it. I'm telling you I heard it. And you said, work the steps and you'll never have to drink again. I did the next 30 minutes of that program. The next 30 minutes of that meeting, I worked all 12 of them steps. <laughs> You said to the best of my ability. That's what you said. I took you at your word. The very first step I called us anonymous, I worked it in that motel room. I did it with God in that motel room, and I ain't never had to do it no more. I still am powerless over alcohol, and God is my manager, and I know that today. I ain't never had to do that because I know from my heart, inside my soul, I know that I gave my life to God. 
And I know that He took that thing away from me. I know that. The second step out of his Thomas it said something about insanity. Well, hell, you don't be doing what I be doing and not be sane, bro. That's pure, dumb, crazy, insane stuff I was doing. So you got your work cut out for you. Step three, God. I don't believe in God. Chunk that one. <laughs> write an inventory. Well, I ain't about to write that shit down. That stuff will send me to penitentiary, man. And I sure ain't telling nobody about it. I don't need that. Now, character defects and shortcomings. I don't even have a clue what that is. I must have some. Get on with the working on them, you know. Now I'm on step eight. I ain't been here ten minutes already on step eight. I can write you a list of all the people that had harmed me. And I was ready to make you a list of all of them. And they could start making their amends to me immediately. In cash. I needed the money. Now we're on step 10. See, I can get on with this stuff now. This man works. Now, I don't make mistakes, none that I'll admit to, so I don't need that. Now I'm on step 11, I'm more God, I don't need that, so I'm gone. I'm on step 12. Now, if any of y'all need any help, step on up here and give it, I'll give it to you. Guess what? Nobody stepped up there. Because like my sponsor said, you can't be who you are not, and you can't give away what you ain't got. You can believe that. And I had nothing so I could give nothing. So I'm in there, well, and, uh, you know, I didn't want no book. I didn't want no sponsor. I didn't want no God. I didn't want none of that. All I wanted was to not drink. I didn't need that other stuff. All I needed was to not drink. I take care of all the rest of it. See, I still got a little control problem. A little one. Well, I'm going to tell you all why I got a sponsor. Because y'all aggravating, that's why. Y'all can aggravate somebody to death now. Who's your sponsor? You got a sponsor? Why come you ain't got no sponsor? You're just doing it the hard way. You ain't got a sponsor. Oh, I'm going to get a sponsor to you. All right, hush, just be quiet, man. I called this lady with 11 years sober. Neva G. She's gone to the big, big meeting in the sky. And I love Neva. Neva was a tough old broad now. And I called her up and I said, I need to make a sponsor uh, appointment with you. I need to come see you. She said, come on over here, fool. And I went over to her house. Got out of the truck. She said, what you need? I said, I need to know how to get a sponsor. She said, get you somebody you like. I said, I don't like nobody. I don't even like you. She said, good. I don't like you either. I said, that's fine. I said, get somebody that you trust. <laughs> now, if you come off your streets like I did, and you tell me you trust somebody, I'm going to watch you because you're going to lie about something else, too. 
And my spouse explained that to me. Trust is something that you earn. It ain't something you give. You want me to trust you. You become trustworthy. You earn it. And then I'll trust you. Because you give it to me, it ain't worth having. But you earn it. It's worth having. That's what I've learned since I've been here. So it's the next thing out of this lady's mouth saved my life. And she said, well, hell, Al, go get you somebody as sorry as you are. Well, that eliminated about 95% of AA. But I knew one. And his name was Jesse C. And I went and asked Jesse to be my sponsor. And I did that wrong too. Because I got 15 days more sobriety than he got. But he is smarter than me. He went and got some, a lady with Neva with 11 years and Dick with 6. And they taught him and he taught me. And I'm going to tell you something. I have the very best sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous. Boy, none. My sponsor is the best there is. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. Because I will listen to him. And what he says I hear. Because see, sometimes what you say ain't what I hear. And I'm going to tell you something else. If you don't think that your sponsor is the very best sponsor there is, you got the wrong one. You better get you another one. Because you die behind this stuff. They ain't, this ain't no play game now. This is life and death stuff. You better get somebody you can listen to. You better. And I promise you, if you do, you got a beautiful road ahead of you, brother. You got a beautiful thing ahead of you. Gonna be some rough road. Gonna be some bumpy road. But there's gonna be some miracles. And oh, are you gonna be surprised? Just keep coming back. That's what it's about. They tell you things in alcoholics and I'm just like, don't get no resentment. Resemblance kill alcoholic. Well, now, you tell me not to go get a resemblance. That's exactly what I did. I went right away and got me one. <laughs> if you tell me I ain't supposed to have one, I'm going to get me one. <laughs> she come in the form of a little white-headed lady about that big. Her name is Olga M. And she's something. And I hated that lady. Man, did I hate her. I'd run from her. I won't be in no meeting where she was. I go down to Angleton, I'd be damned she'd be the guest speaker. I go to Texas City, she'd be chairing the meeting. I go to 24 hour club up in Houston, she'd come in and sit down right beside me. I love you, big gal. I said, I don't love you, you can believe that. <laughs> so I come up with an idea how to get to take care of this. I'm riding down the road with my sponsor and his sponsor. I said, I'm going to take care of Olga, man. I'm going to bust a cap on her. <laughs> Dick said, good. I don't like her either. <laughs> He's sick too. We ride a little further. He said, look here, man. Pray for her for 30 days. In the 30 days, if you still here, you got my permission to shoot her. <laughs> and I'll bring you some cigarettes in jail. I said, okay. I ain't worried about jail town. I don't care about it. So anyway, I'm, I, man, I, I, you know, if you solve a problem for a drunk, you always got another one right behind him. He got four more questions. He's like a little kid. He got four more questions right behind him. I said, how you pray for him? Well, I don't believe in God. I don't know how to pray. You told me 
every day to get on my knees and ask God to see me through this day without a drink and to thank Him at night. And that's what I've been doing. I know how to do none of that other stuff. I didn't know how to pray. He said, just say, God bless all because you can't. I said, okay, wouldn't I do that? He said, every time you think about it. On the way into work in the morning, I'll burn her up, Jack. <laughs> in a meeting? Oh, brother, I'll be mumming. God bless all God bless all God bless all <laughs> And she comes sit down by me. I love you, big Al. I said, God bless all God bless all <laughs> Don't let me hit this bitch. Don't let me hit this bitch. God bless all God. I'll be sitting on my hands. God bless all well, 26 days into this thing, I'm making coffee at an anniversary for Alvin Taylor Street Group, the Alvin Group. Me and my sponsor, we've been making coffee for all them drunks, and it's a lot of coffee, man. And big old coffee pots, just like that one back there. And I turned around, cleaned that coffee pot, and I looked in that kitchen, and my sponsor done abandoned me. He done took off somewhere, and there she was. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to tell you, old lady, why I was wrong with why I hate you? She said, please do. And my mind saying, man, you only got four more days and you can shoot them. <laughs> she said, please, I'll tell me. I said, okay, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you exactly why I hate you. Because you got a God that would work for me. I could see it. You walk in a room, and there's a glow. I could see it. And I know that that God is real, and I know that God's alive, and I know it'll work for me. But I don't know how to ask somebody, a little old lady like you, man, as much as I am, as much pride and ego as I got, and a big old rough sucker like me, how do I ask a little bitty lady like you something that important? And she said, you just did. She said, I would be honored to show you about my God. And she hugged me. She said, welcome home, honey. It's okay. She bought me a Bible. She taught me how to use it. Taught me what to do with it. And she showed me about God. Because she cared. You see, she didn't only just talk the program. She walked the program. She walked the walk and she talked the talk, brother. She went that extra mile. Because I was willing to say something. I opened my mouth. I didn't let that ego and that fear... That machoism and that big ass ego get in my way. And it saved my life. I got this crazy sponsor. Now, my sponsor's crazy, and I want to tell y'all, my sponsor is crazy. Alright, and there ain't no doubt about it, my sponsor is stone crazy. But I love him more than life. And he's a good sponsor, but he's nuts. We had an AA meeting, and he'd been my sponsor about a month. And he says, uh, you got a big boot? I said, no. He said, go over on the table and steal that one. <laughs> I said, no way, man. I ain't stealing from my head, man. That's like be sacrilegious or something. <laughs> like I know something about religion. 
He said, let me woo, man, woo, woo. My sponsor always asks questions, woo, woo. He said, would you steal the drink? I said, yeah, I have many times. He said, oh, another word. Let me see. He said, you will steal to kill yourself, but you won't steal to save your life. Now, what's wrong with that? He said, go on over there. I said, well, I'll put it like that. I'm going to go get it. He said, go get it. I went over and got it. I still got it today. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. Just don't worry about it at all. I said, why not? He said, because if you stay around here long enough, you're going to eventually get to the ninth step and you can make amends for that book. <laughs> and I stayed long enough to make amends for that book. And I worried about that book for two weeks. How am I going to tell them? Finally, I got up at the podium meeting and I said, I'm going to tell y'all something. I stole y'all's book. I want to make a meal for it. He said, sit down, shut up, fool. We don't care. We care about you, man. Pay for the damn book and go on, man. I said, okay, brother. See, they love me when I couldn't love myself, man. They love me. The big book Alcoholics Anonymous says, if your spiritual house is not in order, you will surely drink again. It don't say you might. It don't say you got a good chance. It says you will. If your spiritual house is not in order, you will drink again. I said, bull. I ain't no way I'm going to drink again. Ain't got nothing to do with that. Well, one day I'm coming out of Galveston, Texas, from work, and my spiritual house ain't in order. I'm still working on that. And I find myself parked in front of the liquor store on 49th and Broadway, Forbes Liquor Store, and I'm going in and I have no power over it at all. If I walk through that door, I'm drunk. And I don't have any power over it. I don't have any power. I don't have nothing to lean back on. And I heard what you said. I heard you loud and clear in my head. You say, call your sponsor. Call your sponsor before you drink, not afterward. I said, okay. I said, he ain't home because he's working. But I'm going to call him, and then if I drink, it's his fault because he should have been home to help me. I call his house. He answers the phone. Hello. I said, hey, man. What's going on, bro? I said, look here, man. I don't know, but I'm here in front of the Forbes liquor store, and I think I'm fixing to drink. And I know how I can't. There ain't nothing I can do about it. He didn't laugh. He didn't think it's funny. He didn't get mad. He said, "Hold on a minute. Let me think about it." He said, "Oh yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. My old crazy sponsor. I got it. I know how you ain't gonna drink." I said, "How's that?" He said, "Take off all your clothes. Get stark naked. Get out in the middle of Broadway in direct traffic." He said, the police will arrest you. I'll come get you out of jail and you won't drink. <laughs> I said, you lost your mind, man. You have gone stone crazy. <laughs> Boom, I hang up that phone. I jump in that truck and I haul it to, all the way to Santa Fe to his house. 
I mean, it's front yard, and I'm jumping all over him about it. I'm fixing to fire you. I don't need a crazy sucker like you as my sponsor. And he said, Al. And I said, what? And he said, did you drink? And I said, no. He said, it's working. Keep coming back. He said, I knew I had to shock you bad enough to get you here. I can't help you 20 miles down the road. I can help you with five balls to eyeball. Boy, nuts. I got a nutty sponsor, man. He calls me up and he says, he said, let's go to a meeting. You want to go? I said, sure, man. We're going to a meeting every day somewhere. <coughs> We're doing the penitentiaries and everything. Man, we, we make a lot of meetings. And he said, uh, I said, where are we going? He said, let's go over to Vida, Texas. I said, man, that's about 90 or 100 miles over there. What are we going to do way over there? We live way over there by Hitchcock, you know. Way on the coast, he's a bus way over there by the border. And he said, well, there's a meeting over there. I said, okay. So we put some gas in the car and we take off the Vida, man. We get to Vida, Texas. We're riding around. My sponsor said, where are the meeting at? I said, fool, you brought me over here. I don't even know there is a meeting over here. And he said, yeah, there's a meeting over here. It's in the book. Y'all done messed him up, man. Y'all give him one of them books that showed him where all the meetings were. He won't go see if there's really that. So we don't know where the meeting is. He said, it ain't the vital little old bitty place. So we riding around the vital to see these cars all in front of this building. So we get out. Me and my old crazy sponsor. We walk in the door, and I know we in the wrong place. They got robes and hoods, and they got a big old cloth. And they took it funny, man. And this guy said, can I help you? I said, I hope not. I hope you can't help me, bro. He said, what are you looking for, man? I said, hey, me. He said, come here, I'll show you. He said, right down there, man, that little blue building. I said, okay. He said, that's A.A. meeting. He said, go on down there. I'll be down there in about 15 minutes. <laughs> and he did, and he sat by me. Why they always want to sit by me? My sponsor said, because they've been drawn to the sick ones. <laughs> you know, uh, my sponsor's something, man. My sponsor's really something. He's so something. And you know, I don't know why I'm gonna tell you this because I don't ever bring this up in my talk, but and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna about to bring this up. Y'all know about anonymity? Well I got a mama, it's something. She loves alcoholics now. Me and my sponsor started a new group called the Santa Fe Group. It just last August started selling celebrated thirty one years of being there. And uh me and my sponsor started that group because they needed a meeting there. And we, my mom would run around town telling everybody that if their kids needed help, call me and Jesse. That we had a good AA group going and we were doing AA. And my, I, and my sponsor said, we need to go talk to her about that anonymity. I said, okay. So he said, well, go on over there and I'll be over there in a minute. I should have knew something was wrong with that. I went over there, you know, my mom's over there. And I, I said, my mom there, she gets a cup of coffee. I tell her all about anonymity and tell her that I don't want her doing that no more. And that lady got, I got through and she said, are you through? I said, yes, ma'am. 
Jesus, where's these chickens his sponsor at? <laughs> I said, he'd be here to me. He said, he ain't coming. He knows better. He said, you over here because you dumb. <laughs> she said, but I'm going to tell you something. She said, when I, you was out there doing that stuff and I was reading about you in the paper, said all them women around here would talk about how sorry you was. And you know what? I couldn't say a word. But I'd be embarrassed and I'd be hurt. I couldn't say anything because it's true. And she said, they never let me forget that. Told me about it every time they see me. And she said, now that you're sober and doing what's right, I ain't going to let them forget it either. And if you got a problem with that, and if you got a problem with that, then you better deal with it. Now get out of my house where I beat your butt. I said, yes, ma'am. And I went over my sponsor. I said, chicken shit. He said, I can't believe you're that dumb. Did she want you? I said, no, but she almost did. My sponsor, something. You know, uh, God puts many blessings on me. I would like for y'all to know that I love the program called Alamon. I love to pick on them. I love to pick on them. But I want to show y'all my beautiful Alamon. Would you please stand up with me? And I got a reason I'm going to let you see her because I got some stuff I'm going to say about her in a minute. It's real good stuff. But anyway, uh, anyhow, we rocked along and I'm about 24 years sober and, uh, you know, it's 1995 and uh, uh, they had a world conference out in California. I wanted to go and I went home and talked to my Alanon and they can do some tricks with them books. I don't know how they do that, but we came up with enough money. We had an older son living out there, and we went out out there and stayed with him in, in uh, right north of San Diego, right there in South L.A., and, and I went to the, to the conference. Well, now, I want to tell you about that. Now, back when I was doing my amends, there were some of those amends that I couldn't make. And my sponsor asked me the same question some of y'all sponsor asked y'all. Are you willing, if it ever comes up, are you willing? And I know exactly what you say. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah! Uh-huh! Because you know you ain't got to do it. Believe me, because that's what I did. Because I couldn't go to California. But I was going there and did. My sponsor said, good, you're going to California, man. You can make him amends while you're out there. I said, you ain't forgot that? He said, nope. Write them down. I said, okay, I'll do it. I wrote them down. I want to see them. See, my sponsor still don't believe me. <laughs> uh, we went out there. I got to tell you a little funny thing happened. Uh, uh, I got a travel agent and all kinds of stuff. I was supposed to get a... I asked him for a Lincoln town car because if I was going to go... But see, I'm not real good at being good to me, and I don't know how to do that. I know how to send my wife out there to see the boy, and I know how to send people... I know how to help people, but I can't help me. I, I don't know how to be good to me. I have to learn. I'm still learning that. And to me to go to California, to be good to me, it's a tough deal. It ain't an easy deal. But if I'm going, I'm going to go first class. So I want a town car. I asked the man for a town car. He said, there ain't any. I said, there ain't no town cars in Southern California. He said, no. They're having an AA convention and them drunks done rented them all. 
I, he said, we got a Cadillac. I said, give me the Cadillac. I can do the Cadillac. I get out there, the little, uh, I hope the Arab person is behind the thing, he's talking funny. He said, we got no Cadillacs. I said, well, go steal one because my paper says Cadillac, man. He said, I'll give you a Lexus. I said, man, I don't want no souped up Toyota. He said, man, you, with a, I'll give you a gold series. He said, you can buy two Cadillacs for what they cost. I said, I don't want to buy two Cadillacs. I want one. He said, I'll give you $35 back. I said, now you're talking. Give me the, give me the car, man. Because you see, drunks, whenever they're out there drunk, they throw money away like it's water, man. They come in here, they get tired in the tick. They don't want to put a dollar in the plate. What's wrong with that picture? And it helps them. They still don't want to do it. We get that way. Call responsibility. But I went out there. I don't want to get on to that. Anyway, I got that Lexus, and we're going down the freeway. And that thing's got more buttons and knobs in it. I'm pushing them buttons. They're going like this, and this island. I said, whoa, horse, stop. I was right in the middle of the Santa Rita freeway. I said, what? She said, you're fixing to eject us out of here. You know, <laughs> quit pushing them knobs. That car had all kinds of stuff on it. I never did figure out what it was. I drove it two weeks. Anyway, I went to the conference. I'm down there on Thursday, and I'm looking across at Coronado. And I can't, I can't go. Friday, me and Jeannie goes down there. And we go to the, to the stadium, to Jack Murphy Stadium. There's 86,000 people in there. They're doing the wave, and they're doing it right because they ain't drunk. <laughs> they got three cops watching 86,000 people. A case of Jack Daniels would have changed that around. But you know what? They had like 50, 60 countries there, had these flags. They had three fantastic speakers, man. It was awesome, all these people. The old man stood up with 56 years and said, it works. Keep coming back. I love you. I felt it right there. Right in my heart, man. It was awesome. And I always like to tell God how it is. I said, it don't get no better than this, God. He said, oh, yeah, big boy, what's this? And the man stepped up to the podium and he said, Okay, would y'all all stand and join hands? We're going to say the Lord's Prayer. Say the Lord's Prayer holding hands with 86,000 people and see if that don't rock your boat. That'll touch your plumb to your soul, brother. I walked out of that stadium float. Now the next day I think I'm bringing my airline back down there, but they don't ever want to cooperate. She said, we go, I'm going shopping. I said, you're supposed to go with me. She said, I'm going shopping. You go on and do whatever you want with your friends. Now I'm by myself. Saturday morning, I'm down there looking back over that corner, and I got that immense to me. And I'm arguing with God. I know none of y'all don't want to argue, never argue with God. I know y'all don't do that. But I do. Me and God having a fist fight. He's winning. He always wins. Say, go over there. Do it. I said, okay. I go get the car. Took me two hours to park. As I'm pulling out of the parking place, a guy pulls in my parking place. I'm hot. I am really hot. I go across that stupid tow bridge. I get over there. And I get on that beach. And I read my men. I'm on my knees. 
And a lot of these people are dead. And a lot of people are a lot of things. That's a lot of things. But I read all these amends out. And I prayed. And uh, some of these amends is about a SEAL team. Something. That's where they train. On Yellow Beach. In Coronado Amphibay. And I hear something when I stand up and I look. And there's a DI come bringing the team down there. And they're carrying a telephone pole. And he's talking about their ancestry and stuff. About what he's going to do to them and all that stuff. And when he gets even with me, he stops. And his team goes on. And they don't do that. They stay with the team no matter what. He makes a right face. He looks at me right dead in the eye and he salutes. And he holds it till I salute him back. Then he turned and went down that beach. Now you can read that any way you want. I read that that God sent him to take my men. That's what I read. I'm going back across that bridge and I'm crying. And this little black lady sitting in the booth said, Sir, you need 911 or something? And I said, No, it's just God kicking my butt one more time. She said, He does that to me all the time. You go on. She read the thing. Let me through for free. I said, Lord. I get back over to the parking lot. I'm cruising through there to see what my, 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 my parking The guy is pulling out. I parked in the same spot. You believe that? I get over to the convention center. Now let me tell you something, folks. I don't know about y'all, but it ain't only the bad things that drives me crazy. The good stuff sometimes puts me in orbit. You know? My heart gets to going boom, ba, boom, ba. And I'm going nuts. And I'm going up that escalator and I say, God, please help me. Let me see somebody I know. And I got off an escalator and there's Bill A. Standing there. He's a big, big shot. He goes to my home group. He's a very dear friend of mine. He's a rocket scientist and he's one of the top rocket scientists in the world. And he's a big shot and he knows it. And he said, where's your wife? I said, she's over there chopping with the boy. He said, you want to go to dinner? I said, yeah. He said, let's go. Me and you and Denise will go. And I thought we were just going to a little restaurant. He takes us over to the high regency. And he don't want to go to the bottom floor restaurant. He goes to the 25th floor, to the big shot restaurant. The guy got the little rag across his arm and all that stuff, and he puts you at the table and all that. You know, I don't look like that kind of folk. I know I don't. But I was looking at him, you know, and he put that little rag. And he puts Denise over there, he put me right here, and he put me right here. And pour that water and all that. And when I look up, I'm looking out the window, folks. I'm sitting right where I'm looking, right out the window, at Coronado Amphibay, where I had just come from. I can see it. Because I'm 23 floors up and I'm looking at it. And I sat right there and had, friend, had dinner with two great friends. And I watched the sunset on my men. And I left that hotel that day. And I've never had to drag that cotton sack no more because the stuff went away. Because I was willing to do what it takes and follow the instruction. A few simple instructions. Become willing. You know, we get back from, we get back from San Diego and, uh, you know, my life ain't all that great. You know what I mean? I still got a lot of problems. I got a daughter. Uh, baby daughter. Uh, she hadn't spoke to me in 15 years at the time. I'd done numerous fist steps on it. I'd talked to my sponsor about it many, many times. I'd called her. I'd wrote her letters. 
she'd hang up on me and she'd send letters back. I had people talk to her. She wouldn't have nothing to do with me. And my beautiful Al Nine was, on November the 3rd, my beautiful Al Nine was in court on jury duty. And as she went out the door, she gave me a kiss and she said, be sure to call Barbara. It's her birthday. And I said, okay. And she said, wish her a happy birthday. And I said, I will. She left and I picked up the phone and I called and I got an answering machine. And I hate answering machines. They said, leave a message. I said, I'll leave you a message. <laughs> no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'd really get in trouble. I'd do one of them little messages I leave. So, this is what I said. Barbara, this is your dad. Happy birthday. God bless you. I love you. And I'd like to take you to dinner. And I hung up. And I said, now why did you do that, fool? You know she hates you. Why did you offer to take her to dinner? You're just setting yourself up to be hurt. One more time, you're an idiot. You don't know nothing. The committee met up here on my shoulder, and I'm screwed. Soon as the committee meets, we go between my ears. I'm in a bad neighborhood, and I ain't got no business going up there. I need to stay where God lives, brother. Don't go up here, brother. That's a bad neighborhood. Stay out of there. You know, they couldn't and shooting in that neighborhood. <laughs> All day long, man, I'm going nuts. I'm playing that tape over and over and over and over. You know how we do? Playing that tape, playing that tape, playing that tape. Well, I'm in there taking a bath to get ready to go to Amy. Because I'm going down there and tell my two friends, Walter Hall and Bill Adwell about her. I'm going to have them pray for her. I'll teach her, you know. I have them pray for her. I'm in the shower. My beautiful Alan and I comes in there and she hands me the phone. She says, it's Barbara. I said, oh my God. Now, I'm a great conversation. I talked to everybody. Though. I even talked to that lady Green today already. A bunch. And she don't know me from nobody, but she knows me now. But you know what? And I picked her. I said, hello. She said, Barbara, this, uh, Dad, this is Barbara. I said, Okay. She said, uh, I can't go to dinner with you today. I got your message. Uh, but I, got a, I said, all right. She said, I can go tomorrow. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I said, where you want to go? She said, I don't care. I said, oh. She said, Dad, you all right? I said, yeah. I said, let's go to Mexican food. I said, okay. Right over there by my house. She said, 6 o'clock, I'll meet you over there. I said, you want me to bring dinner with me? She said, no. Just me and you. This is between me and you. I said, okay, I'll be there. I hung up the phone. I went to the Amy. I prayed about it. I'd like to get up and tell you the next day I got up and I was fine. That would be a lie. I got up and I was crazy. I was dumb, dumb, stupid, and crazy. And I was coming apart. And I started, I had a day with her at 6 o'clock. I started taking showers at 1 o'clock. I took five showers, came clothes six times. I couldn't get clean enough or dress right, you know. Finally, this God bless this Alan she said, Whoa, hoss, cool it. Come here. Get on your knees. We're going to pray about this. And you go now. Because if you don't go now, you're going to talk yourself out of it. I know none of y'all never done that. And I got on my knees and me and that Alan prayed. Because we work a program. We work a program. Together.
Because you see, my alanine ain't separated from me. She's part of me. And I walked out that door. My daughter's name is Barbara. And she was named Barbara Ann. And she was born in 1965. In 1965, they had a song about a beach boy called Bar, 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 Barbara Ann. That was not in that girl's song. I always sang it to her and stuff, but I can't sing. But anyway, and I'm not going to sing it to you today. So anyway, thank God for that one. But anyway, I get in the truck, I turn it on, it's on oldies but goodies, and that song said, Bar, 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 Barbara Ann. And I reached over and turned it off and said, Shut up, God. I don't want to hear it. God, my God has a sense of humor, man. He likes to kick me right in my behind. Get on over there, boy. I get over there and I'm crazy, man. I'm pushing people out the way. I'm going to revert back to my old ways. I put my hand on the door and I know that I'm going to go in that restaurant. Somebody's going to laugh and say something. I'm going to bust him in his eye and I'm going to ruin the whole thing. You know what? i done what you told me. I said, God, please help me. Paul's on the head of Paul, God, please help me. Go with me, God. Don't let me say nothing dumb. Let me be okay. I opened that door and I went in and sat down with that young girl. Halfway through that meal, she reached over and grabbed me by the hand. She said, Dad, we can't go back. Finding out whose fault it is. Your fault, my fault. We can't do that. we got to start right today. Building a relationship between dad and daughter, daughter and dad. Because if we try to go back, it will never work. Because you see, that's the same thing you got to do in this program. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, man. If you're starting today, today's it. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Start living it. Don't miss this thing, man. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. You can't get from a motel room in Texas City, Texas, on the third day of August 1971 with a gun in your mouth, sorry and strong, hating everybody wanting to kill yourself, to Texarkana on November the 8th, 2003, with the beautiful people looking at you, listening to you talk. It won't happen. God can, He will. All I got to do is get out of the way and let Him. And guess what? I brought a beautiful lady with me who loves me very much and which I love very much. Another blessing from God. You see, I loved that lady when I married her 25 years ago. I never knew that I could love somebody like that. I didn't think I was capable of it. Well, I'm not. God is. And He showed me how. Because He loves me that much. You know, folks, I'm going to tell you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart to let me be here tonight. And I'm going to close this thing with what my friend Pat used to say that's going on to the big meeting. And he used to say, be humble and don't stumble. Remember, God loves you and so do I. Thank you. <laughs>